The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, we pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts will help make us ready and be prepared and keep our lamps trimmed and burning. And indeed, um, strengthen our faith this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So a lot of talk about faith in our scriptures today. Abraham is reckoned as righteous because of his faith. Righteous means that he's innocent, perfect. That's a pretty big deal. The letter of Hebrews champions faith as the way that God, all of God's purpose is done in the Old Testament and certainly now for us in Christ. Jesus then even turns to us and says, have no fear, and it's as this as if he says, have faith, don't be afraid. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So it seems to me like faith is at the heart of things. And it also seems that faith is kind of the opposite of fear, or at least is always in tension with fear. I mean, if you of course know that you know, fear is the main motivating force, it seems, today. I mean, it's how news that networks get you to tune in the next day. They're trying to get you to be afraid, so you'll come in and watch and have the answer. Or maybe you need to buy this product or that product, because if you don't have it, something horrible is going to happen. Um, you know, and then, you know, we've got the FOMO, the fear of missing out, that the kids deal with all the time. So... It's beautiful that we have faith held up in all of our scripture readings today and celebrated. But since we talk so much about faith, especially in the Lutheran tradition where we say that faith alone is what justifies you, faith in the work and person of Jesus Christ, well, we talk a lot about it. So what does it mean, though? <laughs> it's one of those words that maybe we use so much that people just assume they know what it means or you know, go through it. And interestingly enough, thankfully, the writer of Hebrews gives us a nice little concise definition today. 
in verse 1 of chapter 11. That's one of those you want to memorize someday if you haven't. The writer of Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of things hoped for. So, that word assurance is an important one. In Greek, it's hypostasis. I, um, and it's one of those words that's hard to translate with one English word. Assurance is good. But it's hypostasis means kind of your being, the, the foundation of being, um, uh, of existence. Um, it's, it's, so it's really a foundation. So maybe we'd want to use the words um, uh, promise, like God's promise, our foundation. It's the foundation. What I, and the reason I want to put that forward is when we think of assurance, it's kind of subject, subjective, like um, faith is my assurance and the fact I have assurance, but really it's actually something from the outside that's been given to you, like you were given a foundation upon which to stand. So faith is the foundation, the assurance, certainly, um, the ground of our being. Faith is that assurance that we have in things that are hoped for. Faith is indeed a foundation that we hang on to, that we cling to, but we're, it's, its focus is something that we don't see. We don't have yet, or maybe we do have it yet, but we're waiting for its fulfillment. And then we go on, it says the conviction of things unseen. So it's almost like you've got two statements kind of running alongside each other. Conviction is an interesting word too. It could also be translated as evidence or proof. So we've got a foundation that's given to us and we have an assurance in something that's not seen and something that's in the future. That's what faith is, Hebrews says. Well, what is that foundation for us that gives us hope for the future? What is that for us, that foundation, that hypostasis? Well, it's clearly, if you read the rest of the book of Hebrews and you sum it up real easy, it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the foundation, the promise that God gives us in Christ. I mean, Jesus came, what did he say? He said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And we believe that Jesus brings God's kingdom, and what, especially when he goes to the cross and when he's raised from the dead, that brings about and creates and gives us a hypostasis, something upon which we can cling and stand our whole life long. And it is that, that's our foundation, that's the assurance of things hoped for. The reason we say things hoped for is because Jesus brought us the kingdom, but it's not fulfilled yet. We have it, but it's still yet something unseen because one day he's going to come back and make it all right, complete it, make it perfect. So we've got it now, but yet we're waiting for its fulfillment. And this is where we live in the in-between. And then in the in-between is faith. The assurance of things hoped for, the evidence, the proof of things unseen. So when I think about this, it's clearly um, faith is a gift, and yet it's also something that I stand on, I cling to. Um, and so I thought about this story of a famous missionary, um, Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China hundreds of years ago. 
And first, as you first went there, of course, he went there in a sailing vessel. And no motors, obviously, if you didn't know that. (laughs) And, you know, you've seen some of those pictures of those jagged islands around China and in, in in the sea there. And so they were going by one of these islands and the wind stopped and it was becalmed and and the captain began to be really nervous because the tide and the, um, the, the current was taking them right into this jagged island. And he was so panicked, like, we're going to die. There's nothing we can do. There's no wind. We can't steer. We can't get away from it. And we're being taken right into those cliffs. So, of course, he turned to this great missionary, Hudson Taylor, and said, hey, please, you've got to you've got to pray for us because we're going to perish. Please start praying. And so Mr. Taylor said, of course, I will, provided you set your sails now to catch the breeze. The captain declined and said, that's ridiculous. When the wind starts, we'll raise up our sails. I'm not going to look like a fool in front of my men. Um, They know you don't raise the sails when there's no wind. And there's, you know, so when it starts to blow, I'll, I'll raise my sails. But Taylor said, I will not undertake to pray for this vessel unless you will prepare the sails. So the captain did it. And while engaged in prayer, there was a knock at the door of his stateroom. Taylor said, who's there? The captain's voice responded, are you still praying for wind? Yes. Well, said the captain, you'd better stop praying for we have more wind than we can manage. (laughs) You know, there's a time when we... We've been given this foundation, this assurance of things hoped for and evidence for things unseen, but but part of that faith is raising the sails. Even when it doesn't seem to make sense, even when there's evidence to the contrary, that's what faith is. That's that's the gift we've been given in that in-between time. And indeed, that gift of faith is why we can fear not and not be bantered about by every fearful thing that comes our way. Jesus says to us, fear not. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I think I haven't really focused on that little phrase of Jesus's in a long time. and It's one of the most beautiful gospel words that there is. Fear not, people. God because we think of kingdom sometimes, we participate it, we raise our sails, but first and foremost, it's something God gives and does for us. He lays that foundation, he lays that hypostasis, a ground for our being in his life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It's the Father's good kingdom, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's what he did in Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection. We have it, we have that foundation. But yes, sometimes, We've got to raise the sails. Um, we've got to um, put it to work in our lives. And how do we do that? We, we hang on to it. We, we raise the sails. We step out in faith. Sometimes maybe it might be saying something to somebody when we're unsure what to say. It's interesting. I, I, don't, I don't know what it might be. But when I hear about this, I start to think, man, I want more of that. <laughs> I want some more faith. I want more of that assurance. 
I want more of strength. And so I start to think about, and maybe you do too, man, sometimes my faith is not very strong. Sometimes it's flagging. Sometimes I'm not so sure. I don't have that assurance. But in truth, you always have it, whether you're hanging on to it or not. You've been given it. It's a gift. But I want to use it more. I want, to, I want to feel it more. And so then Jesus goes on to say something really amazing. And I started to talk about it with the kids. I mean, it's just radical when you really just be present to what Jesus said. Jesus says, where you put your treasure, there's where your heart's going to be. In essence, I think what Jesus is saying is that faith is kind of like a muscle. What happens to muscles when you don't use them? I know this because I can't raise my shoulders very well lately, and I'm like, what happened to my arms? They're disappearing. You know? What does the Apostle Paul says? He says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your lips, you shall be saved. If you believe with your if you believe with your heart. heart. And confess with your lips, you shall be saved. So the heart, biblically, is like that place, that faith muscle. And Jesus says, where you put your treasure, that's where your heart is going to be. Now, I can see right now, as you're looking at me, you're not quite as excited about it as I am. But let me try and explain why this is so cool, okay? What in our culture, what in our culture do we typically hear in every Disney movie, in every DreamWorks movie? Follow your Oh, yeah, follow your heart, follow your heart. But what if your heart's not in the right place? You see, the interesting thing in our culture, we tend to kind of fall into this belief that we can't dictate what our heart loves and what it believes. We kind of just have to follow it. Whatever it tells us to do is what we do. I mean, we have no control over that, whether it's who we love, you know, or who we fall in love with, or, you know, all of this. I'm not against falling in love. I fell in love, you know, with a blonde girl a long time ago. It was really awesome. It was really awesome. But, you know, we tend to almost feel, we're almost like victims of whatever our heart feels like it wants to do. Jesus says, no, you can set your heart by where you put your treasure. Now, are you starting to get it? In other words, like, you know, before you follow your heart, you better set your heart with the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, Jesus says. So you may say to yourself, you know, I really wish I had more of a heart for service. You know, I, I see those people out there working at Hardy Meals, doing that stuff or going to the soup kitchen. Well, guess what? You want to develop a heart for service? Start serving. Go down to that soup kitchen. Make a meal for Benedict House. Hang out with the poor. Hang out with the needy person. Go to the convalescent hospital and visit the person that you know is there. And more you do that, the more your heart will love it. Don't wait for your heart. Go do it, and then it'll affect your heart. You see how this works? A little dry with your worship life? How much effort are you putting into it? Have you gone to Pastor Bill's YouTube channel and checked out the Foundations class where we explain everything you do in worship so you know why you stand up and sit down, why you say these words, where they come from in the Bible? 
Man, have you done that? You do that and you might start to really love worship. And maybe you only worship once a quarter and you go, oh, it's okay. Well, no, duh. (laughs) You're really good at what you do a lot. So the more you do it, the more you're going to love it. See, that's the way way it works. You, You struggle with Bible study? Get in there and start reading. And when you run into stuff you don't understand, move on. It's okay. Just keep at it. And the more you keep at it, the more you'll love it. And the more you love it, the more you'll keep at it. The more you keep at it, and the more you'll love it. And here we go. And it's an it's awesome adventure. Jesus says, where you put your treasure, that's where your heart will be. We sometimes think that, oh, I've got to do this and this and this. And Jesus says, where it put, your, put your treasure in the kingdom of God. And everything else will fall into place. person recently, not too long ago, I heard about asked their pastor, and the pastor shared this, like, Pastor, I want to love God more. And the pastor's like, wow, I've never had anybody ask me that. After many years of ministry, and he didn't know what to say, two weeks later he realized as he was reading this text, I know what I should have said. I should have said, if you want to love God more, give God more of your time, your treasures, your talent. Give him more of your life and you will love him more and more. Where you put your treasure, that's where your heart is. And then, then my goodness, follow your heart for sure. Oh, thanks be to God that we've been given this gift, this hypostasis, this gift of the kingdom of God that we can hang on to and cling to. So let us today put our treasure in a place where we know God wants it to be. Let's raise the sails and set out in faith. Let's keep at it with the promise that God has done everything already for us and will make it right someday. Amen.